Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. You know, this is one key area where you and I differ. I think if I earned my medical degree, I would never refer to myself as anything other than Dr. Justin McElroy. Well, I guess that's just where the two of us are different. I'm a, a little more humble. A little more humble. You don't have to be humble. You work for it. I mean, there's. you should be... When, when I sign us into guest books, have we ever talked about this before? I don't think we have. Uh, whenever I sign us into guest books at uh, weddings. Oh, yeah, this is true. Or less frequently funerals. <laughs> I always. Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I always sign it Doctors Justin and Sydney McElroy because I figure you round up. No. I mean, that's not how that works. Yeah, I figure you round up. I just think it creates an artificial wall between you and somebody else if you insist on introducing yourself as doctor. It also, like, sets a lot of expectations that I don't know if I'm ready to live up to or not. That's fair. Dr. Sydney McElroy. Sydney, it's I... A, it's a lot of baggage. I can't deal with these babies. They're uh, overrunning the house. I'm sorry, Justin. We Dylan! Just... Nevaeh, get down from there! I really wish we hadn't named so many Nevea. There's uh, literally 30 babies in this room alone. Yeah. I cannot. There's, there's at underfoot. least 85 in the room next door. Um, the, the, we Our home is overrun with babies, none of which Babies are everywhere. Ours. No, they're crawling all over the furniture. They're pooping places. Ah, one bit me. See, I, got, <laughs> I hate when they bite you with their with those baby teeth that they have because babies have teeth. Baby small teeth. The They're tiny, more, tiny proboscis. <laughs> That's not what proboscis. Babies don't have that at all. Babies have proboscis. No. Sydney, I love all of these nope, children. Not a thing. None of which are ours, uh, but I love them. Uh, but if we have a single more baby, one more baby, this house will implode. From the just the adorability of nothing else. I think you're right. We've got Nevaehs and Aidens and Bradens and Jadens and Cadens. They're, they're and, everywhere. And they're just, they're hanging from every, the top of every bookshelf, which is dangerous. Why are they up there? Babies, get down. Uh, get down from there. No, well, let us get you down from there. Yeah. Um, they're crawling all over the floor. You can hardly walk in this house anymore. The cats are terrified. The Their object permanence is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, constantly forget that Justin is here, and then he's terrified of them all over again. Right, because they're just sitting there. What are they doing? Uh, so I don't I think we should feed them. We can't have a single 
none of these babies are ours but i can't have another baby in the house right Fifty thousand babies is enough Fifty thousand is enough the hit movie the hit film <laughs> with, it's the futuristic with, sequel to eight is enough you get egg rolls is that what that's called dick van patten lives in a cyber tenement <laughs> with uh fifty thousand children of his own creation <laughs> the brady bunch and everybody else in Huntington. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to keep from having babies, Sid. Um, I know that there is no solution to this problem currently. Uh, <laughs> That's right. There is absolutely no way to stop you from... Wait. Uh, so I wanna, what I want to do is I want to go back through the years, through history, through the annals of time, and, and talk about how other people have done it. Maybe I can find something that I can try. Well... Okay, if we're going to do this, I think we should go way, way back. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Okay. Let's go way, way back. Somebody accused us of stealing the Wayback Machine from Stuff You Should Know. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, my friend. Yeah. Like, take it. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, no, I was stealing that totally from Rocky and Bullwinkle. The Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine, guys. Right. Peabody, anybody? All right. I didn't mean to steal from anybody else. No, me neither. Although, I'm honored for the comparison. Thank you so much. To Stuff You Should Know. Thank you. Listen to Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, it's awesome. So as far back as like, if you would, Justin, do you have any Egyptian papyruses? Papyri? Papyrus? Um, yeah, yeah, here's one. Excellent. I'm so glad you had that in your bookshelf of video game books. People laughed at me. So if you would look through there, if you would scroll down, you may find. (laughs) (laughs) Scroll down. Scroll down the papyrus? That is not what I meant. Happily. You may find that uh, as far back as, you know, ancient Egypt, uh, women were trying to figure out how can I bone down without getting preggers? This has kind of been a like a human quest. And at the time, they didn't have any good ideas. So they thought... (laughs) You know what I you know what? I know that something happens after intercourse and then I get pregnant. So maybe if I just like put something inside my inside my vagina that will block everything like and what have I got? I've got some honey, I've got some acacia leaves, I've got some lint, just kind of make a big like mass out of that and you know, put it up there. Uh, that was the first idea. In case you haven't gathered, not a great one. We will be talking about human genitalia pretty thoroughly, and if you'll pardon the pun, in depth. So, uh, if you're sensitive to that, or you, you have little ones, you know, I really don't think you should be hiding this from them. But I, what am I? I'm going to tell you how to parent. And Come if on. you if you hadn't gathered that we'd be talking about this, we did mention that it was a contraception episode. So, come on, people. Really? Back off. Okay, so I put papyrus up there. So basically like a a, a, a dam, sort of? Basically. Yes, I so think a dam is a fair way to... A show. dam against the river sperm. That's right. And, I mean, you could also kind of create like a pessary, like something that you would permanently insert inside your vagina that could be made of acacia gum. Um, or you could just like block what... They knew there was an opening to the womb up there somewhere, and so you could like they would mix together this paste of honey and and sodium bicarb and like apply it up there, and those were kind of the nicer things that they actually advocated. Um, the worst thing I came across is that you could make one of these devices out of crocodile dung. Uh, Daryl, it's it's me, it's Melissa. I'm sorry to bother you at work. 
Listen, I'm really worried about Darlene. Ah, uh, I just checked in your drawer and all of our crocodile dung is somehow gone missing. <laughs> so maybe she has a perfectly good use for it. I don't know. But I think you need to talk to your daughter. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I was really concerned. Don't worry, baby. You're on the SS jokes. I'm going to pilot us into calm waters. There was I, That was a weird metaphor. Nah, with, nah, it nah, was nah, mixed. Nah. It was mixed. It was mixed? Say. It was a mixed, was mixed metaphor. Mixed metaphor. <laughs> Crocodile dung, huh? Uh-huh. I suppose I, I, it's thick, pasty. I don't. This is gross. I don't know. I don't know what crocodile dung is like. I've never encountered it myself. Actually, as I discovered in uh, middle school, uh, another great contraception is watching Crocodile Dundee. Uh, that never worked for me uh, with the ladies. So you can try that too, maybe. That that really foiled your efforts to did reproduce when not, you were in middle did school. Not set the vibe. You were really you were really ready to become a dad. That's not. A- <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so or you know, they did know. I will. I will give them some credit before we talk about some more weird stuff because you know that's what we're gonna do. Um, I will give them credit for the fact that they recognized even that far back that if you were breastfeeding uh, your previous baby, that you could avoid becoming pregnant longer, and because of the kind of hormonal uh, milieu that you know is invoked by breastfeeding now that's fascinating to me because they would have no i mean no frame of reference for that at all right i think it's observation just sort of Mm -hmm. it seeing that applied in the wild the women breastfeeding tended not to get pregnant yeah so so i mean women would breastfeed for for years and years in an attempt to try to avoid and and that's not 100 percent. i'm not saying that it is but they did notice that you were less likely to become pregnant while you were breastfeeding uh what's next so uh, the first condoms were created in 3000 BC. Uh, they were made from everything from fish bladders nope. to animal intestines, nope. uh, linen sheaths. <laughs> Doesn't seem effective. Um, and, and at the time, I mean, they understood even before we really knew about sperm or eggs, we understood the idea that something in the sex act led to babies. And so maybe if we can block the stuff that comes out of the guy maybe we could prevent pregnancy i mean again a lot of this it's kind of impressive that we ever came up with the idea of condoms because we really didn't understand the idea of procreation sure yeah i mean absolutely i mean if you look back biblically it was advised to uh, use the pull out method the old pull and pray as they as they call it did you call it that no and I, hope, I never called it that. I hope they didn't call it that in the Bible either, because that would be messed up. <laughs> pull, it's the old pull and pull. pray to the guy in that other chapter. Yeah, it's the pull and call me, <laughs> call me God. That's what I would suggest. It's it's funny because it's actually referenced in when Onan is having sex with his brother's wife Tamar. So like that's a good time to use the old pull out method, I suppose. I mean, yeah, for it, sure. It pull out and just stay out ideally if you would not mind doing that that's what i would advise yeah i'm no bible but that seems like the <laughs> that way is, i would go you know what that is definitely true justin you're no bible hey come on now. could you add that to your twitter profile hey i'm no bible uh in ancient greece they started to uh get into the idea that maybe there were things you could like take into your body like medicines that you could use to prevent pregnancy. And um, they uh, discovered a plant called silphium, which actually no longer exists, Justin. 
Oh, so that that that's out. So you have to imagine that some like a uh, archaeology botanist or botany archaeologist. What do you what do you think? It's got to be one of the two. Botanologist. <laughs> I don't think that's Bacchiologist. <laughs> nope, not that either. Archaeologist. It's a dog. Something like that discovered this plant uh, which was used it it obviously is not not around any longer. It's kind of like a giant fennel plant. Delicious. <laughs> but um, it was used for contraception. Uh, they observed that women who who ate this or you know took like compounds of this plant were less likely to become pregnant and it actually became it was only in, in a tiny part of Crete and it became like so popular and was harvested so extensively that it became extinct it was it was actually at one point they quoted that it was worth its weight in silver wow uh because so many people and they tried to cultivate it other places and it wouldn't grow anywhere else and eventually it was it was extinct but uh that's how badly people didn't want to get pregnant they they made a plant extinct so there you go humans i think it's interesting sid and and obviously we have a lot more things to go through uh here but just this early it's it's interesting that we are actually finding things that it, it, as opposed to a, a lot of the topics we cover where we come up with a cure that is really not based in anything except witchcraft you know uh superstition anything like that it seems like in birth control we've got methods that while maybe not 100 percent effective were in some way i mean it seems like with it's with with a concrete outcome like pregnancy we were maybe a little better about coming up with real actual solutions and maybe less willing to leave this this one to the to the gods as it were I think I think you're right. I think that you hit on I think there are two aspects to that. One, exactly what you said. It's a very concrete outcome. Either you got pregnant or you didn't. So you couldn't argue that it did work if you did get pregnant. I think the other part of that though is sample size. How do you mean? Well, I mean if we're dealing with the plague or, you know, cholera or whatever disease throughout time, um, you know, only so many people are going to get it. If you're talking about pregnancy i mean throughout history everybody's having sex hmm. everybody's right. either getting or trying not to get pregnant so uh you're dealing with a, a much larger group of people who are trying things and so therefore your sample of people who are trying any one thing is is it's bigger and it makes your data more uh more real so if something works more people are likely to try it because there are a lot more people who would be trying anything well, we used up all the silphium. Uh, what what are we resorting to? There were a lot of other plants at that time that we began to use. Um, things like um, a relative of silphium that didn't work quite as well called asafoetida. There was Queen Anne's lace, which we've heard of. Uh, willow, date palm, pomegranate, pennyroyal, artemisia, rue, myrrh. Um, Queen Anne's lace is actually still used to this day in India because um, huh. it, it does work to some degree. And I mean, I'm not saying that any of these things ne necessarily worked as well as modern birth control method methods, mm -hmm. but they did uh, recognize that it worked. They also came up with the idea of a sponge that you could insert into the vagina of, of wool or cotton um, that would absorb some of the, you know, some of the sperm. And, and that actually is not a is not a bad idea as a barrier method. Huh. Um, Good job, humanity. In, uh, in 7th century... Uh, BC China they came up with ways to just um, 
just prevent the whole thing if you didn't want to use something externally for birth control you could practice coitus reservatus or coitus obstructus okay i'll bite what, are, uh, what i i can kind of guess but uh what 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 are they well basically you have sex and don't ejaculate okay uh, it worked for two things. Uh, one, you didn't get pregnant, obviously. And two, you could preserve your yang. My yang? Your yang. Aren't you worried about preserving your yang? I have been running a little low in the yang department. Well, this is a way you could preserve it. <laughs> I wouldn't think it would be that easy for men. Uh, you just reach that plateau phase and just stay there, and then you're done. Yeah. Not Well, not so much difficult as impossible. This uh, is a great period in history for women. Not so great for not men. Not an ideal solution <laughs> for the fellas. They also did advocate that there was something called the Thousand of Gold contraceptive, um, which was, it was a mixture of oil and quicksilver. All right, Justin, go to the head of the class. Do you remember what quicksilver is? Well, my dear wife, that is mercury. Very good. You could heat that, take it orally once, and induce sterility <laughs> if that's what you desire. Because it's mercury. Kind of an extreme solution. Uh, over in India, they came up with their own ideas. So you could make a potion of palm leaf and chalk, or uh, palm leaf and chalk, and you could take that orally. Or you could, again, back to the honey. Honey was a good idea. I, I think people knew it was thick. It was viscous. Stuff couldn't get through it. So you could make kind of a, a mixture of honey, rock salt, and ghee, and then place that in the vagina. And either way, that was a good idea. They actually wrote a whole, you know, I mean, in India, they wrote a lot of texts devoted to the art of sex. The Kama Sutra. You may have heard. You can't see it, but I'm raising my eyebrows. Yeah, he it is. It's very disturbing. <laughs> I'm glad you can't see it, actually. I'm, I'm glad that you're spared this today. Uh, they they also wrote other texts. The uh, Ratir Ahayasa. Ahasaya. Can you say that better, Justin? Yeah. Ratir Ahayasa. I could, but I, you're, I don't want to embarrass you. Anyway, it was again devoted to, to sex. And uh, I thought this is, is was great to mention that it included the idea of contraception and, and noted some of the ideas we've mentioned, as well as many, many, many others. Um, but it also um, made sure that you knew there were four types of women. I didn't know this, so I thought I would include this. Hit me. So this is There's my literally, question. I'm going to tell make you a the four types. Guess. I was going to make a hilarious comical guess, but there's literally nothing I could say. That no. would not get me in trouble. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble anyway. Because I'm going to tell you the four types of women and you're going to tell me which one I am. Uh. Okay, so there are lotus women, elephant women, art women, and conch women. Well, uh, Which one am I, Justin? Uh, 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 art? Really? Darn it. Really? choked i can't believe you said that uh, well okay just, okay let me gonna have to talk about this later we're just gonna have to talk about it later not elephant is that i mean can i just I say just, not elephant? you know what it's too embarrassing to do this in front of everyone so never mind never mind what next uh in uh so i think it's interesting because if you look at birth control efforts in like the 1300s uh the well kind of runs dry because the plague Oh, as we okay. know decimated large um, sections of the population throughout Europe 
and you see this um this push to repopulate the planet so people definitely aren't looking for birth control methods and it actually may have been the impetus of some witch hunts because uh midwives were often the target of witch hunts and midwives in addition to knowing how to deliver babies often knew contraceptive methods and even ways to uh induce abortion Mm. this was a time when we needed more people and so efforts to stop the birth of more people were seen as evil Hmm. so not all of the witch hunts but some could have been could have been related to this um and this this led to in in the fort in 1484 pope innocent the eighth you know what i you pick that name for yourself and i'm immediately suspicious me well, I'm Pope Innocent. I'm Pope Innocent. I don't know what you're talking about. That's like Pope. That's like calling yourself Pope Cool. All right. <laughs> All right, Pope Cool. Who are you fooling? I know you're wearing those shades, but still. Uh, so, so uh, what's what's up with Pope Innocent the Eighth? Uh, he so he released all these statements against witches. And in that context, he began to rail against the idea of contraception and abortion, which is obviously a, a common Catholic position now against abortion and contraception for that matter um Mm. but this this was uh some of the early origins of that that kind of vocal you know i'm not to say that the catholic church didn't always feel this way but this is when they begin to advocate for it i wonder if that's a holdover i mean if we're continually if we're still as a you know as militant about not we if you you people are still as militant about it as an offshoot of, of I mean, this everything comes from somewhere and there certainly are places i mean you know you know the origin of uh the idea that priests can't get married what's that um it was to pre- to prevent some kind of like um genetic um monarchy within the within the vatican so that it wouldn't be handed down from generation to generation you are the pope and then your son's the pope and then his son's the pope so if you prevent priests from getting married you can avoid that hmm. so it's interesting interesting uh or you could just origins not, i just have a baby that's not catholic you well, do that. I mean, not the, not I'm back gonna then. Raise no, you. I'm going to raise in the you the 1400s. No, you couldn't. I'm going to raise you to be. A, what have you promised to raise him Episcopalian? <laughs> no, sorry. Okay, I mean, I'm just trying to help both out. No in the, deal. So in the 1500s, um, it should be noted that spermicide came into came into being, and this was we already had this idea of some condoms, some like crude condoms, and. Uh, we soaked them in random chemicals in hopes that they would kill sperm. We knew there was sperm or something. Something in there. Something. <laughs> Something's up. And so we were going to kill them with chemicals. Um, nothing really defined, per se. Um, in the 17th and 18th century, though, birth control uh, began to be restricted um, because we started having lots of wars. And so we needed armies and we needed men to run countries and businesses God, and that wars. Is so, and so forward thinking in so 18 we, years you're going to be we're going to we might need you to to you know stab somebody for us so when we're talking about like the the you know imperial kind of like europe the european idea that we're going to go over and conquer other nations um we need people to do that so that's when we uh that's when we stopped letting people use birth control and so we built countries and armies, and and nobody was uh, using birth control, except, of course, they were. Oh, sure. And that's the secret the secret history of birth control, right? Is that no matter what we say against it, people are always trying something. Um, which led to, in that same era, Casanova, who you may have heard of. Mm-hmm. 
who invented the first lambskin condom. Wow. Do you, yeah. know what he, you know what he called it? <laughs> what? An assurance ca- cap. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need your assurance cap on today. Are you wearing Are you wearing your thinking cap? No, I'm wearing my assurance cap. <laughs> Don't you worry. This is my. It's all cool toboggan. You just slide <laughs> it on your wing wong, and then you can just chill. He also advocated using half a lemon to cap the cervix. Okay, not as great of an idea. No. I don't know that that's, that wouldn't be my idea of an assurance cap, assurance cap but sure. Are, Sid, are people still using lambskin? There are lambskin condoms in existence. Seems luxurious. Seems like a luxurious option. I don't know that they're as great as, you know. Seems luxurious. The, they may be. I don't know. I wouldn't. Don't anyway. email us, you the, weirdos. Yeah. I know. Somebody's going to be like, lambskin condoms are great. They're great. I'm allergic Stop to latex. And this block one I you. I'm sure they're fine. I have no problem with anything. Just sure. Use something. Use protection. Unless you want to have a baby, then go for it. <laughs> What's next, Sid? Um, in, in 1900, um, and as we enter into the 1900s, I should say, women began publishing their own accounts of, you know, this is what works for birth control. There are condoms, diaphragms were made. We had rubber at this point, vulcanized rubber was invented. So um, we had good, strong condoms that worked. The idea of womb veils, as they womb. were called. <laughs> Sorry, womb veils? Womb veils <laughs> or diaphragms were introduced. Uh, there were... Uh, some different devices made of rubber for douching and there were some intrauterine devices not some crude ideas of what these should look like introduced at that time that was really when women began to say hey other women I have some ways that you might not get pregnant there was a book at the time called the fruits of philosophy Uh, this was basically a birth control manual and it was written by Charles Knowlton but uh, Charles Bradloff and Annie Besant republished it at the time and uh, and were brought on trial for it. That's a sneaky name, the fruits of philosophy. The fruits of philosophy. I never guess. Yeah, and, and it had a lot of different birth control methods, and women were certainly using them, whether or not it was legal or, or frowned upon or whatever. Um, this stopped in the U.S. with the Comstock Law. Are you familiar with the Comstock Law, Justin? Uh, yes, I actually am familiar with that. Go for it. Come uh, it's on, the one educate about, us. It's the one about dirty, dirty books and dirty pictures, right? Right. You couldn't. What could? What could you not do with dirty books and dirty pictures? Distribute them. That's right. That included birth control and literature about birth control. <sighs> Good work, humans. Really threw the baby out with the, <laughs> threw the literal, the literal baby out with the bathwater on that one. But you know the thing is. Uh, information just keeps spreading and people can try to censor it and they can try to stop it but but they're not going to succeed because throughout the 20th century because people got people got to get down they got to get down and condoms began to be mass produced um i think this is kind of a great little uh anecdote in 1906 an important um point in this in the history of birth control is that cyrus mccormick who was the um inventor, author of the road <laughs> no. No. Incorrect. That's somebody else. That's that's con- you know, somebody else. I don't Cormac. know who that is. Cormac. I I don't know. He uh Cyrus McCormick was the inventor of the mechanical harvester and he was very very rich. Well, in 1906, do you know what important thing happened? 
Uh, Cyrus McCormick invented the mechanical harvester. No, I don't know. he'd already done that. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Why does this matter to this talk? Why would you think I know when a dude is diagnosed with schizophrenia? I'm going to tell you why this I don't mattered. know when my dad got diabetes. But I know why Cyrus McCormick got your, schizophrenia. Your dad listens to this show and he's going to be heartbroken. Dad, that you just stop eating sweet stuff, please. And stop eating popcorn. You have diverticulitis. That's a myth, but we'll cover that some other time. Go on. Uh, his wife, in response to his diagnosis with schizophrenia, decided to start funding birth control efforts, and they were rich, so they had the means to do so, because she wanted to know how she could prevent passing along illnesses to her children. This is important because her efforts to fund um, birth control probably helped um, the invention of the oral contraceptive pill many, many years later. Fantastic. Yeah. So th- throughout this time period, um, the first uh, silken IUD, it was made of silk, was invented. Luxurious. Um, in 1916, Margaret Sanger opened her first birth control clinic. It was closed 10 days later. Yeah, good shot, Margaret. But she reopened it. Yeah. And in 1921, she founded the American Birth Control League, which is now known as Planned Parenthood. Wow. And this was trumping efforts at the time, like throughout World War One, where they were just saying, well, just don't have sex. Hey, GIs abroad, just don't have sex. Don't do not do it. That's, Abstinence is the way to go. That's worked ever. That Yes, that's the best. That's the best. Met. No, it's not. It's terrible. I, I mean, it is know, the best. Well, I mean, okay, it is the best. It's just nobody's doing it. Yeah, right. And I should note that at the same time, 1921 was a big year. Sanger founded the American Birth Control League and Marie Stopes in the UK opened uh, the UK's first birth control clinic that actually was allowed to stay open and function and and help many women. And this is the the time when the whole idea of birth control became a movement. Um, Previously to this, it had been known as either family limitation, which is basically you have as many kids as you want and then you and your husband decide that one of you is going to become sterile in some way. You flip a coin. I don't know. I don't know how you decide that. But yeah, but it's a joint effort and somebody's going to become sterile. So it's not birth control. You're not it's not a temporary thing. It's a permanent removal of the ability to have a kid or uh, the other idea that was popular was voluntary motherhood. What? No, what's that? So the idea was that previously you could only be an involuntary mother. You were kind of at the mercy of your body. So to give women back ownership of their bodies, uh, they were told to only have sex when you want kids. Well, okay. So basically the way you were a voluntary mother is just don't have sex until you want to have kids. And once you're done having kids, don't have any more sex. That seems like a pretty good way to have a lot of kids. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's what's so revolutionary about Gosh, the idea you know, of- you know, Deborah, I'm looking around. I, I know we have seven. I know each one of them eats a single potato every night for dinner. <laughs> I really think uh, they're I, eating too many carbs. They're car- <laughs> they're too many carbs. Uh, need to lean them up a little bit. What better way than with another delightful mouth to feed? Come here, you handsome woman. Because <laughs> all women then were handsome. Yeah, right. No, that's what's so revolutionary about the idea of birth control. Even that term is that we were saying women have control over their bodies, over their ability to reproduce. And at the same time, we were separating sex from procreation, which, as you can imagine, ruffled many feathers. Uh, Yes, I would imagine so, because it acknowledges sex for pleasure and 
Right. And at the time, the, the only me. things that were acceptable were either abstinence, as I mentioned, or the rhythm method, um, which was not well understood then. It's be- much better understood now, um, but wasn't then. Um, and then the the only other alternative you had was a uh, Lysol disinfectant, which nope. was a, hugely popular in the 1930s. Um, it doesn't work. It's not a good idea. I guess you'll smell like Lysol afterwards. I'm assuming that's an off-label use of yeah, Lysol. Yeah, I wouldn't use Lysol for all, that. All right, Sid, uh, real quick, take me on a whirlwind tour of of the, the, the last 50 years or so in birth control. Well, things really started getting good in the last 50 years. So in the 1950s, John Rock and Gregory Pincus, with the funding from Cyrus McCormick's wife, uh, Miss McCormick, I don't know her first name, uh, invented oral contraceptive pills. Um, in the 70s, the pill was having a lot of side effects, so they kind of reformulated it. A lower dose version was introduced, and it was much better for women. Um, also in the 60s and 70s, laws all over the world began expanding birth control to everybody. So in the U.S., the landmark case is Griswold versus Connecticut, where they said, you can have birth control, you can't ban it, it's a marital right, if you want to do it, it's your business it's private you know and take your pill you know, that's fascinating something that we take for granted so much like that is is so recently a a right like oh that. justin if we we could do a whole show about the way that you men have tried to legislate my body throughout I history i don't make any i didn't do anything you do men uh iud's were introduced in that same time period after that in the 80s and 90s we saw the invention of the uh estrogen patch the nuva ring maybe you want an implantable birth control device an injection like the you know depo provera or perhaps you want to take a lower dose estrogen pill so you don't have side effects in 1998 we saw plan b emergency contraception was first introduced and then in the 2000s the female condom and now we have studies as recently as 2010 that say the pill may actually lead to living longer because of uh, avoidance of some other other diseases while you're on the pill and a hundred million women around the world are using it at least if not more oh humanity i'm glad we got this all sorted out i feel pretty pretty good about us it's really an interesting it's an interesting history because women knew they wanted control over their bodies for you know thousands of years how can i engage in this activity which i enjoy and which my husband or lover or whatever friend enjoys as well but you know have have kids when i want to have kids it's a it's a, an incredible fight and we've come a long way congratulations sydney baby <laughs> congratulations women thank you and i'd like to mention that september 26th do you know what that is justin no idea World Contraceptive Day. So take some pills. So on. No, wait. Take a <laughs> don't, pill. Don't. Well, I mean. Men, women, whatever. No, hold on. Try the pill that day. No. No. Don't. Pop okay. one. No. On World September 26th. World Contraceptive Day. Pop no, one. If you're on the pill, certainly continue if you wish to take it. But in general, on September 26th, why don't we all take a moment. Pop one. Lower our heads. Close our eyes and say, say thank you to all those who came before us with their crocodile dung and their assurance caps <laughs> and their honey <laughs> and their acacia and taught us how to not have babies until we were ready. We, we appreciate uh, them so much. And of course, we appreciate you at home, our, our friends who uh, 
uh, continue to listen to the show, support it, share with friends. You can use the uh, the Sawbones hashtag uh, uh, on on sorry not a hashtag but just an at you know the at reply on on yeah, Twitter. Forget hashtags. Forget the show hashtag. Yeah, now that we're at Sawbones. By the way, we are at Sawbones. Uh, now that we're at Sawbones, you can just uh, tweet using tweet that. at Sawbones. Tweet at Justin McElroy. And she's at Sydney McElroy. S Y D N E E. Sid, tell me about some of the people who have uh, reviewed our show so on we, iTunes. We've got a. Uh, Scorpio, J-A-J-S, C-Rib, Kosiosi, Elf, El Pift, J-D Photo One, Zombie Bunny, H. Gruber, Cypheré, I think. Thank you. Cypher, I think. Cypher? It's Mike Nagley. Fair? Oh. It's Mike Nagley. Thank you, Mike Nagley. Jeeb138, Adunt, Sarah Peep. Dylan T. Duarte, Taco Anthony, <laughs> Bexanudu, uh, Rice Rabbits, Brental Floss. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Zoe back, everybody. Thank you so much for for reviewing the show. That really that really helps us out a lot, and and helps. and I read every single one, and, and mean, I love you all. And yeah, please, it means the world to us. Uh, I I was gonna thank uh the listener that suggested this show to us but it was my brother travis mcelroy but thank you travis we appreciate it travis and i uh, along with our youngest brother griffin make a show called my brother my brother me it's just one of the mini shows on maximum fun and i love it thanks sid uh, uh judge john hodgman jordan jesse go bullseye uh one bad mother i could go on throwing shade throwing shade oh throwing shade fantastic stuff it's all waiting for you at maximumfun.org you can also find our forums there we can uh, discuss our latest show um, we also have a facebook page we do facebook.com forward slash sawbones show you can if go any there of you kids are still on facebook on the book, these days. You can go like us there uh want to say thank you to uh metro the, the uk publication they uh they gave us a uh, a very kind uh recommendation in their their uh podcasting uh, section yeah that was super nice rahul and, verma th- so thank you so much for that and really made our day um yeah that was a delight uh and uh thank you to you you at home listening make sure you join us again next friday for sawbones i'm justin mcelroy i'm sydney mcelroy and as always don't drill a hole in your head MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.